So let us start with our prophetic declaration that goes along with today's message. So repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have been that you have called me to be your friend and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Father, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice. And we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by another voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of righteousness and the spirit. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you would give it to me liberally. So I'm asking for wisdom in your name to hear you clearly and concisely today and every day. Help me to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We have a few people out. Amen. The word still got to go forth. Amen. So tonight we're going to still continue to teach on the prophetic. But we're going into another segment of the prophetic, which is definitely a major part of the prophetic, which 
are the languages of the Father. So we'll be going into the different ways in which the Father speaks to his children. And they are several, and I want to slow cook this. I want to marinate this. And the reason why I want to marinate this is because this is something that can, we cannot go fast on. Because part of our ability to be able to do what the Father tells us to do and to say what the Father tells us to say is to be able to know the different ways in which the Father speaks to us. So this is part one. We will have several parts of this, several. Because remember I said we're, we're slow cooking this because the mind is indeed have a, it has a mind of its own. It does. It always wants to go to the next best thing. It always wants to go to the next revelation. And we have not even ate the revelation in which we received yet. It hasn't yet soaked in into our soul yet. So we're going to on purpose, we're doing a slow cook like pot roast. <laughs> Like marinating chicken, <laughs> we're gonna slow cook. <laughs> we're gonna slow cook this word on purpose. All right. So the first thing I want to go to is the first scripture I want to go to is Hebrews five, thirteen through fourteen. Hebrews five. 13 through 14. Now I have two versions of this. We're going to go through the Amplified version first, and then we're going to go to the TPT version afterwards because each version highlights something that I want you to see out of this. And as we go through these, I want you to be taking notes because, like I say, this is very important. So Hebrews 5, 13 through 14, the Amplified Version first. It says, for everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. We're going to go to the TPT version of this. And it says, for every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil 
and harmful. So the reason why I started with this is because I wanted you to see why we're doing what we're doing with the prophetic. And we're doing what we're doing with the prophetic because of what it says in verse 14. And it says, and they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful and towards the and part of the first part of verse 14 it says whose spiritual senses in the amplified version it says have been exercised so the reason why we have to do this is because your spiritual senses have to be exercised just like if you was working out and you are unhealthy, you have to exercise your muscles, guess what, in order to activate them, to strengthen them. So it's the same way in the spirit as far as your senses are concerned. And because when you came into God and into his family, you had for such a long period of time, use your natural senses, which means that your spiritual senses were very weak. And so the reason why we have to on purpose exercise your spiritual senses is because the spirit has to go higher than the flesh, but it has to become activated and exercised. So our senses are exercised. And when we say exercise, we mean trained by practice and by habit. Trained by practice and by habit to discern both good and evil doctrine. So how are our senses exercised? It says by reason of use, the scripture says. So when we decide to use our spiritual senses instead of our natural ones, the Bible says we begin to mature. So the reference to the word, when it says, when it talks about eating food, it means that by long use, they are able to distinguish good from bad. Now, why is that important? Why is it important in order to dis use discernment, in order to know when it comes to doctrine, what is evil and what is good why is that important it's important because experience will enable one to discern what is suited for the soul so when you are exercising your senses to discern you're exercising it as far as doctrine is concerned for the soul so what elevates and purifies the affections, and it also tends to draw the heart near to the Father. So we exercise our senses in order to know what is suitable for the soul, 
when it comes to doctrine because the soul because of discernment when you exercise your spiritual senses the soul begins to know what is good for it it begins to as they say you eat the meat and you throw away the bones but you don't know how to do that unless your senses have been exercised in order to discern So why is, is this prophetic training different than other prophetic training? And I was talking to Pastor Pierre about this the other day. And I was telling him that I was in prayer when the Lord told me it was time to teach on the prophetic. And I was asking um, God, like, okay, since you're going to have me teach on the prophetic, what is it going to be different about this time? Or what is different about the way in which I'm going to teach the prophetic in which has not have already been taught. And so the Lord began to, number one, he took me to that scripture we just went through, Hebrews 5, 13 through 14. And then he told me that for a long period of time, the prophetic has been presented in a manner in which when it comes to teaching and training, we focus more on hearing the voice of God and being a mouthpiece for God and the differences between the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. It has been set on that in order to train people. But the prophetic is not just about hearing, but you have to understand that the prophetic is also about sight, seeing and hearing. So when we talk about exercising your senses, part of the prophetic training that we're going to be doing is not only exercising your senses as far as your hearing ability and the ability to speak, but it's also going to be exercising your senses to activate your sight, which, and I, like I say, I look and I study a lot on the prophetic and I look at a lot of teachings and stuff, but it doesn't seem like they're being taught simultaneously. Sight and hearing need to be taught because when we talk about the prophetic, that's what it's about. The ability to hear and to see. So we're going to focus today and probably for the next two months on the ability to hear. After we do this, we're going to do dreams, visions, and the interpretation of dreams, focusing on sight. And then part of that site is how to activate your site in the spirit realm. So you'll be able to see. Because we got to have all of the parts of the prophetic in order for you to walk in it 100% like you need to. So let's continue. So the first language of God that we're going to go over today is the power of discernment. Now, we're talking about the keep in mind, because I told you the mind, it drips because it'll hear information. But once it hears the information, it, it seems to not figure out why am I taking this information in. So on purpose, you have to make sure you focus your mind. So remember, remember, we are talking about the different ways in which the father speaks to you. 
the different ways in which the father can speak to you. Because a lot of times, remember, we focus on the Rima word. And a lot of times we focus on the logos word and how God can send someone else to talk to us. But there are several different ways in which the father can speak to you. And a lot of times people, they'll say, you know, you know, I don't think that God is talking to me. It's hard to hear God, but they don't realize that God has been talking to them all along, but they don't know the different ways in which he speaks. And so I'm going to put a disclaimer out there, <laughs> just like when I start on the dreams and visions, interpretation of dreams, it seems as though everybody just starts having dreams. It's like that part of them begins to activate. So when we start going through, this is the disclaimer, the different languages in which the way God speaks, you're going to start having encounters because remember that part of your senses are being activated in exercise that you may know the different ways the father speaks to you. So the first one we're going to go through is the power of discernment, the power of discernment. So one powerful way of hearing and recognizing the voice of the father is the ability to discern his voice. Now, the Holy Spirit will help us to precisely and to distinguishly decipher and discern the father's voice, the voice of the enemy and our own voice. So the Holy Spirit's one of his jobs is to help you to discern when you're speaking, when the father is speaking, and when the devil is speaking. So what is discernment? So now, before we continue with this, how I have this set up is that we're going to go through the scripture reference of every single language in which the father speaks so you can see where it is in scripture. We're going to go through the definition of what it is, and then we're going to go through examples so you'll be able to recognize when it's happening to you. So what is discernment? Discernment means to distinguish, to separate out by diligent search, to examine or decipher. Now, decipher means to succeed in understanding, to interpret, and to identify something. So let us go to Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. And it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Another version says it's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. 
Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. It says the word is able to discern the thoughts and the desires of the heart. So the father can speak to us prophetically through spirit-filled discernment. So you can refer to it as sometimes, I believe I have up there, it's like a checker or a knower. These are words in which, you know, you can use in order to describe what is happening. It's like, you know how we say red flags? It's like a flagger or a distinguisher. When it discerns something, it's like a red flag that goes up. So it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the gift of discernment to equip us to know the mind the will, the ways, the plans, the intentions, and the thoughts of the Father. So as spirit-filled believers, we possess a discerning mind through the Holy Spirit that demonstrates wisdom and insight that goes beyond what is naturally seen and heard. Now, for example, that's why I give you examples. Well, first, let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 before we go to an example. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. It says, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He cannot understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Another translation says that it is discerned by the spirit. So the natural man cannot discern anything. And why is the natural man not able to discern anything? Because it's the Holy Spirit that discerns. And if you are born again believer... It's part of the package. You receive the Holy Spirit. If you are in God, he is your helper. He teaches. He guides. He leads. He's alongside you for help. So it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the discerning. So, for example, when studying God's word, it must be as 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 tells us, spiritually discerned. So when you're reading the word, I can think back a time when I was younger, like 10 and teenager, and I would read the word, but I didn't really have no understanding. It was some of the things that was in there that I could kind of pick and choose. Like, okay, I know what this means because it was... It was clear before my eyes, like exactly what it meant. But it was a lot of things in there that I didn't understand. And the reason why I didn't, because I was not saved at that period of time. So I couldn't discern anything because I didn't have the Holy Spirit to help me. So when studying the word, the Bible tells us it must be spiritually discerned. So to the finite human mind, without the spirit of God, the things of God are considered, as the word says, foolish. And a lot of times, 
you know, how they say, you know, they be trying to say that science proves that God doesn't exist. But that's to a person that does not have the spirit. But if you, because if you have the spirit, you would know that actually science proves that God really exists. But it's only discerned for those who have the spirit of God. So the spirit then gives us spiritual discernment or the ability to discern by comprehending spiritual things or matters. So let's go to 1 Kings 3, 9 through 11. First Kings three, nine through eleven. And it says, Give their f- wait for us, first Kings. I have verse eleven up here, but I'm gonna read nine through eleven. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. Now this is Solomon that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing and God said unto him because thou hast asked this thing and has not asked thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thy enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. So First Kings 3, 9 through 11 talks about King Solomon in his day, which was noted for his power of discernment in making wise decisions. Administrating justice and having moral judgment. So he also, in a dream, acquired wisdom and a discerning heart to fulfill his call. Let's go to James 3 and 17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. It is full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So likewise, as Christians today, as children of the Father, we also must possess the power of discernment in hearing God's voice daily while asking and seeking, as James 3 and 17 says, the wisdom that comes from heaven. So also in 2 Timothy 3 and 15, which we'll go to. No, actually, I didn't write that number down. 2 Timothy 3 and 15, write that down, says that we also must read the word of God, which is able to make you wise for salvation. Now, why do you need wisdom for salvation? You need wisdom for salvation because remember, salvation is not the same thing as is being saved. You need wisdom for salvation because salvation is your inheritance. You need wisdom on how to obtain your inheritance. 
It says that we must read the word of God, which is able to make you wise for salvation. So we read the word of God in order to know how to receive from that realm, bringing into this realm what has been inherited to us. So let's go to Hosea 14 and 9. Hosea 14 and 9. It says, let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discernment listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring out the scripture, because the voice of the father must also be spiritually discerned. So we actually talked about two types of discernment, discerning through the word and discerning the voice of the father. There's discernment as you read the word and there's this discernment as it relates to the voice of the father. So the power of discernment is crucial and necessary and you need it for today because the father, you got to understand, is a spirit and a speaking being. He speaks. He's not like the rest of these dead gods that do not speak. He speaks. So you have to know the different ways in which he speaks. So his words must be spiritually discerned. His words must be spiritually discerned. Because we need to know what God is doing. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 15. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 15. It says, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit revealed truths with spirit revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they are make no sense to him he can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God so the Bible goes on to say that a carnal mind cannot comprehend or discern spiritual things. It will take a spiritual mind to understand spiritual things and the languages. Now, I know I keep honing in on that point. And the reason why I keep honing in on that point is because the mind, like I said, it has a mind of its own and it has been exercised naturally for a long period of time. Spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. Okay, now it's time for some examples. First example, when Jesus was in the wilderness, 
Jesus, it says that Jesus discerned that Satan was misquoting the word of God in the wilderness. He discerned this. Concerning angels that would rescue him if he tripped over a stone or committed suicide. Jesus knew the word of God because he was the word of God made flesh. So he was able, it was like a detector to detect where the word of God was being misused. He was able to discern where Satan was using it for his own pleasure and for his own glory. So he instantly discerned what was not accurate concerning the word while discerning at the same time. Now he discerned the inaccuracy of the word because he was the word. Then he turned around and discerned the agenda behind Satan's temptation. Then he discerned the motive and the heart. And the evil intentions of Satan, who questioned his relationship and his sonship with his father. All of this was through discernment. He had the ability to interpret the motives, the hearts, and the intention of what was going on behind the scenes. So the power of discernment is one of the ways that the father uses to assist his people in recognizing his voice. Another example. So oftentimes, our gut feeling is a physical and outward manifestation and confirmation that the father is getting our attention. So you must trust the Holy Spirit's indicators, which I call the bells and whistles that are going off in your spirit when you hear, feel, or sense something that is not in alignment or agreement with the spirit or the word of God. Because it's trying to get you to see something. Whether it's wrong or whether it's right. So it's like I say, and a lot of times it'll come for those that are not in God, they call it intuition. So it's intuition for those that are not in God. But see, they don't have the, they, they know something is not right, but they don't have the ability to spiritually discern what's behind the scenes. They feel it, but they don't know, which that's the wisdom behind it. And so when you come into God, what happens is that, how the Bible talks about this, the spirit, how it stirs up your gifts. So the spirit actually begins to stir up the intuition that you had when you were not in God. Because it's a lower level of discernment. Intuition is a lower level of discernment. But once you get in God, the spirit stirs up that gift. And it becomes discernment. Number two, divine revelation. And the scripture referenced that we'll be looking at for divine revelation as a way in which the Father speaks is 1 Corinthians 2 and 10. 
It says, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. So what is divine revelation? So when I say divine revelation, I'm speaking about, and I believe I have the definition up there, I'm speaking about anything that pertains to the Father. Revelation is the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence. Now, there are two forms of revelation. And I believe I have that up for you as well. One form of revelation comes from the relationship we have as children towards our father in which the father himself makes himself known to us through the Holy Spirit, through the covenant relationship we have with him. So when we talk about the first form of divine revelation, it's the father revealing himself to us of who he is as it relates to our position as children, his position as a father, and the covenant we have with him. Then there's the second form of divine revelation. And that is when the father is speaking to us prophetically. When he speaks to us prophetically through divine revelation, he is disclosing his thoughts, his heart, his mind, and will concerning our purpose and our destiny or the purpose and destinies of others. So the father in the Old Testament spoke through the prophets through divine revelation. And in the New Testament, he spoke through the apostles and the prophets. So Jesus even said that he speaks what he hears the father say, and he does what he sees the father doing. Furthermore, he said that his meat and his nourishment was to do the will of the father who sent him. So he received his instructions by prophetic revelation from the father himself through prayer. Remember I told you I have examples. <laughs> Example. <laughs> have you ever been pondering on something for some time and later it's like a light bulb comes on. You finally receive the revelation to a problem or solution you've been waiting for. So that today the Father speaks to us through the Holy Spirit to make known his secrets and his will. So like I say, how this looks as far as um, you recognize and when it's happening is that, 
like you say, you're reading something and you may not fully understand what the scripture is saying or somebody might speak a word to you, a prophetic word to you, and you don't understand the fullness of it. But it's later on, you might be in the store, you might be talking to a friend, it might activate through a movie that you're looking at, and then it's like, oh my God, that's what it was. It's the, that's when divine revelation comes. It's unveiling of the heart of the Father towards you as far as your destiny and your purpose or something that he was speaking to you in regards to someone else. So the Father begins to download through the Holy Spirit by discerning his heart, his mind, his will to you concerning you personally. The father desires to share his plans with his children. So he uses divine revelation to reveal something to us that has not been revealed before. He speaks prophetically through to us through revelation, whether we study the word of God, whether we're preparing for a message, whether we're worshiping, whether we're fasting, or whether we're reading a book, divine revelation comes. So the things the Father reveals is not always confirmation, because a lot of times we think that when God is revealing something, he's confirming something, but that's not true. The Bible does not define prophecy as confirmation. Prophecy is divine revelation, not confirmation. And that is why the prophetic is so important, whether it's those operating in the gift or the office. Revelation spoken by the father plainly reveals the heart of the father towards the children. So, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So, divine revelation is for this reason. He's revealing his plans. He's revealing his thoughts towards you about your destiny, about your purpose. Why? For future and hope. That's what purpose and destiny is all about future and hope for example so oftentimes the father speaks often by shedding light on something specific so you may be studying a subject for a long time then after processing what you have studied all of a sudden the father gives you a divine revelation that you did not see before and is clearly understood Number three, quickening power of his spirit. The quickening power of his spirit. Number three, the number three way in which the Lord speaks. The quickening power of his spirit. So the first scripture we're going to go to is John 6 and 63. And it says, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. 
The words I speak to you are spirit and life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. Romans 8 and 11. Says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. And a lot of times we see this, this word quickening a lot. Not realizing that it's one of the ways in which God speaks to you. When I actually began to study on this particular way in which God speaks, I was like, oh, my goodness. I did not know that this really was the quickening of the spirit. So let's see. So a quickening of the spirit. What is quickening? The quickening from the Holy Spirit and is when... The Holy Spirit will jump something out at you. It literally jumps out at you in order to get your attention for the purpose of developing your soul in order to bring life to a dead situation or circumstance. Now, I have several examples for this. And the reason why I got several examples for this, because like I say, when we talk about quickening, there's not a lot out there as far as um, learning is concerned on what the quickening, what quickening of the spirit really means. That's why I have a lot of examples. So example number one is when the Holy Spirit, for instance, will highlight a Bible verse to you that you didn't notice before. Now you have read this verse several different times. In several different ways, but at that particular point where you are in God and what's going on in your life, he highlights something, a scripture at you that you didn't notice before. The Holy Spirit does this so that you can examine what God is communicating and gain a full understanding and answer to your situation. Because a lot of times, you, like I said, you've been praying about a lot of things. You've been asking God a lot of questions. And so what he'll do, he'll quicken your spirit with a verse in order to get you an answer. So it'll jump out at you. You're like, I, haven't, I didn't see that there before. Second example. Oftentimes, the Lord will quicken a verse to you that will help you solve a specific problem or issue you may be having. So there may be times you are listening to a minister preach or teach something that will get your undivided attention. This happens often when you hear a prophetic word that quickens your spirit. So you'll be, you'll hear a message and it'll feel like it just, it's like you'll hear the message and it'll quicken your spirit to the point like it, it, like you absorbed it and it's highlighted to you. And a lot of times it, it will make you drift off and you won't hear some of the message, the other parts of the message that they teach it, but that's the Holy Spirit quickening your spirit. Example number three, you could be driving down the road in your car. 
listening to a pastor teach on a podcast when suddenly something they say may jump out at you. Something specific that they say jumps out at you. You receive a quickening or a witness by the Holy Spirit that God was speaking through them directly to you. It seemed as though it was directly to you and what you needed for that moment. This is one way the Holy Spirit brings you specific knowledge. And now this is the way in which confirmation comes. Confirmation comes and affirmation comes this way. Because you, like I say, you will be in prayer. You'll be asking God some things and you're like, okay, should I do this? Should I not do this? And then you just be driving in your car, listening to a message. And it's like the answer comes right there through what you hear. So being quickened by the spirit can happen anywhere. Just letting you know that it can happen on your job. It can happen at the grocery store. It can happen when you go get the mail. It can happen at a bookstore, at worship service, at prayer service. It can happen anywhere. Last, not last example, but example number, where are we at? One, two, three. Example number four of the quickening power of his spirit. You could be in a bookstore when suddenly a book title or a cover gets your attention or you may overhear a prayer, maybe on YouTube or somebody else praying that really touches you deeply concerning something that you have been waiting on God for. Or it might be a song that is sung in worship that could resonate in your spirit and bring you to tears. All part of the quickening power of the spirit. All parts in which in ways God is speaking to you directly. So when these things occur, the Holy Spirit is quickening and selecting that specific song or book for you personally. So you have to know that. So as you hear God's voice through his quickening power of his spirit, obey the leading by either downloading that book, searching out what that book is, buying that book, or sealing that prayer you overheard. Because the thing about it, about the quickening is this, that we must keep in mind that the Holy Spirit quickening power may be leading you to imperative, life-changing, and inspiring information found in that book or in that song that jumped out at you. That means there is something in that book, there is something in that song that belongs to you, that is yours. Another example. I don't think I have this one up here. Do I have another example up here? Another example is when, say you're going on a job interview. And the spirit will make you focus on a particular thing that you should wear in your closet. A particular color, a particular outfit in order to get a specific job. 
Or a lot of times you, when you get up or before you go to the interview, you will see the very thing that you're supposed to put on for the interview. So let me put a disclaimer out there because it's like I told you, the mind is something else. We are not to go searching for or trying to make these quickenings happen. Allow the Holy Spirit to initiate them organically and naturally. Let it come. Just let it come natural. Don't try to make it happen. So the scripture we just read for this, John 6 and 63, is simply declared that the spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. When we started this, the, the, the quickening power of his spirit, Jeter, Jesus later goes on to say that the words that he speaks are spirit and they are life. Still talking about the quickening power of his spirit. So these are two components of the word of God as far as quickening is concerned. They have the potency and the ability to give life and they are emphatically and solely spiritual. It says that the word gives life and that it is spiritual, which means that if it gives life, it means that the word have you, you know, you've heard the, the term that they say the word has resurrection power because it resurrected Jesus or Christ from the dead. So when we talk about the word having resurrection power, this is the resurrection power is talking about to be able to quicken your mortal bodies. It brings to life parts of you that are dead. It brings to life visions of yours that are dead. It brings to life ideas and business ideas and, and blueprints that are locked up inside of you that are dead. It quickens you. It brings to life those things. It jumps out at you. Another example. So there are times when I can discern... Yes, a true prophetic word spoken or released with power because I will begin to feel the father's glory because I know we've all been in situations like that when we hear a word of somebody teaching or somebody preaching and we feel the glory of God in the place when they teach it. And then also we feel the weight of the word. We feel the presence of his word, and then we feel the power of his word confirming it. So when there is a quickening of the Father's spirit, you oftentimes will begin to shake. You might jerk or feel a cooling, tingling sensation in your belly like a gushing of water being released. Sometimes, just like for me, like I told you, like my stomach will tighten up. Or I'll hear a word and it's such a true prophetic word that it'll like, I feel the weight of the word in my stomach. It'll sit in my stomach. And that's how I know it's like that is a true prophetic word because I feel the weight of it. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. So, it's like the Holy Spirit also some people get chills that comes upon them when that word is released. There are also times that I can tangibly feel, for instance, an overwhelming like heat. Some people um, say that they feel like it feels like a power surge. Some people feel say it feels like an um, electricity kind of going through their body or shooting through their body. So you, it's, it's one of those things that you cannot explain it or understand it and, and it's also a time when your natural senses become superimposed upon, meaning that it has nothing to do with your natural senses. It overrides it. You can't control it. And then it's like one of those things like say you can't control the way you feel about it physically. The power of the quickening of the Holy Spirit is real and it's raw when it comes. So when the father speaks, something is awakened by the spirit of God that becomes instantaneously like a current or a movement in your life. So something is revived. Remember, I said the word has resurrection power. So something becomes revived in you when the quickening power of the word is released. It brings you alive. That you can actually come in here a lot of times feeling weighed down, feeling depressed, feel anxious. A particular, like I say, a particular song or something somebody says. Or you just might be sitting there just reading a verse and it just will quicken you. It'll bring life to you. Last example, because like I said, I did this one to put a lot of examples on this one particular so you will know exactly when this is happening. Another scriptural example is the example of Elizabeth and Mary when they were pregnant. So when Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, greeting um, and greeting her, it, the Bible says that it caused her baby to leap and to move and to jump within her womb. And the reference for that is Luke 1, 41 through 43. So there was a quickening response that caused John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb to bear witness to the voice of Mary. So the voice of Mary actually became the ultrasound that caused John to respond to the confirm the supernatural working of the father. So Jesus and John both bore witness in their mother's womb. John was filled with the spirit in Elizabeth's womb and Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So when they came together, the two mothers, there was a quickening, a bearing of witness of the two through the Holy Spirit. The next one, the Holy Spirit. And I think, like I said, well, let me see how far we have. We'll probably go through four and five. And we'll stop um, after five. So number four, the Holy Spirit. The scripture reference for the Holy Spirit is Matthew 10 
18 through 20. Remember, we're talking about the different ways in which the Father speaks. Number four, the Holy Spirit. Matthew 10, 18 through 20 says, and because you follow me, they will take you to stand trial in front of rulers and even kings as an opportunity to testify of me before them and the unbelievers. So when they arrest you, don't worry about how to speak or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will give you at that very moment the words to speak. It won't be you speaking, but the spirit of your father repeatedly speaking through you. So the Holy Spirit is sent, as we know, to comfort, to advise, to encourage, and to lead believers. So the Greek word, as we know, for comfort or counselor is parakletos, for the Greek. So this form of the word is passive and means one call to the side of another. The word also carries a second notion concerning the purpose of coming alongside or to counsel or to support you. So the reason why this is important, because we must have the Holy Spirit operating in our lives in order to properly know the nature, the ways and the voice of the Father. To hear the voice of the Father, we must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because in order to speak for God, we must be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So you can be saved, as many are, but still need the Holy Spirit to hear and demonstrate the Father's power. Because remember, it's the Holy Spirit that searches out the deep things of God. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches, that leads, that guides you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that quickens your mortal body. So we need the Holy Spirit. So also the Holy Spirit possesses a speaking nature to communicate through the believer. So the father member is a speaking spirit. And through the spirit, we understand spiritual things and the nature of the father. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit helps aid us in our spiritual walk, our journey, our calling, our ministry, and our life. So as we embrace and appreciate the role and function of the Holy Spirit, we can grow in hearing the voice of the Father. So the Holy Spirit is a prophetic spirit that speaks to us daily from heaven and reveals what's on the Father's mind and heart. So the Apostle Paul noted that intellectual attribute and ability of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 and 11. It says, for what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the rational capacity and the function of the Holy Spirit was expanded in this saying. So as we recognize and embrace the function of the Holy Spirit, it helps us so we begin to 
work, it begins to work through us and with us. So it becomes easier to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit works in us and as we recognize the function and the role of what it does. The last one we'll go through tonight is the still, small voice. The still, small voice. And the scripture reference for that is 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12. And it says, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And this is concerning Jeremiah. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Now, the reason why I brought this out was not just for the fact it talks about the still, small voice of the Lord, but the fact that Jeremiah, all of the things that we went forth um, in the beginning of the scripture talking about behold the Lord possessed and by a great a strong wind went the mountains we talked about the rocks we talked about the wind and the earthquake and the fire these were all ways in which Jeremiah was familiar with hearing the Lord but he was not familiar with hearing him through a still small voice so hearing the still small voice of the father is another supernatural way the father speaks to his people. So this type of communication is a soft and a gentle voice of the father, which comes as we wait on the father. It comes a lot of times in prayer. It comes in worship. It comes in meditation of the word. And like I say, once this thing is really exercised in you, as far as hearing that still small voice, you could be at a carnival you could be somewhere where it's like noisy and loud and still hear that voice because your senses have been that exercised in hearing his voice so the father speaks in this way to give personal directives guidance or encouragement it is a highly subjective way of hearing the father's voice because it is quiet and it's and it is in internal so the still small voice must be judged considering the desires of the heart it has to be weighed the desires of your heart have to be weighed against the still small voice because a lot of times the still small voice can can um it can be heard just like your voice it can sound very similar to your voice so that's why i said it has to be judged considering the desires of your heart so communicating with the Father should be, of course, a regular habit for each believer. And as you continue to exercise this way in which God speaks, like I say, there is nothing wrong with asking the Holy Spirit to help you fine-tune your ears. 
to distinguish the still small voice from your voice. So the father, you have to know the father, and a lot of times, like I say, we say a lot of cliches, like for instance, we'll say the father is always speaking. We only tonight pretty much went through five. But as you can see, he is always speaking. And this is just five. We will go through several. But a lot of times we don't know he's always speaking because we don't know the ways in which he speaks. So when we say he's always speaking, we always got our ear like, okay, well, I don't hear him saying nothing. But, but he's speaking in so many different ways. We can't, like I say, we put, what we try to do is, rever- is, is reference, have a reference for God a lot of times. And sometimes that works. And sometimes it don't. Like, for instance, if we're doing dreams, visions, and the interpretation of that, we can do a reference to natural things in order to try to understand spiritual things. And even with that, things still have to be discerned or broken down and interpreted by the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. Because that's a lower form of interpretation, which is um, connecting it to something natural in order to try to understand it. It's just like the dictionary versus the concordance it's a lower form of the definition but when you look at the greek or the hebrew it's an expanded it's like say like one word can mean like 50 words so also we have to understand that god speaks in many languages he speaks in many dialects He speaks in many ways and many methods, and he speaks in many manners. And not only does he speak in many languages and dialects and methods and manners, he also has the ability to interpret what he said, understand what he said, and translate what has been spoken to you. That's a whole lot. Also, just to kind of throw this out here, I also believe that I call it divine silence, which we won't go, we probably won't go into this, but I want to throw this out there that divine silence does not necessarily mean that God is not speaking or inactivity, but the Father can speak to us even when things are silent. So silence is, it's not up there, but like I said, I want to throw this out there, that silence actually is another way in which the Lord speaks. Because a lot of times, for instance, like when we're in here worshiping or when we're in here praying, and then all of a sudden we go silent. It's like you still can hear him speaking, but he's not saying nothing. So silence is also a way in which God speaks. We think of silence being in this realm naturally inactive where we're not saying nothing. But silence is actually a language for God. And that's why I say you can't put him in a box. 
when we would talk about referencing natural things, because like I say, when we talk about speaking, we're talking about, you know, as far as languages, French and English and, you know, like whatever uh, Koreans speak and different cultures speak. But God speaks in numbers. He speaks in letters. He speaks in in like I say, like through the Holy Spirit, through discernment. He speaks in visions in dreams through books. So we will stop at the still small voice and we will pick up the week after next, continuing the languages of God. And we will start at God speaking um, as in first person to you directly. And like he said, like he told, um, he said he speaks to Moses face to face. We'll start from that standpoint, how God speaks to you in first person. And a lot of times he does that through, through him stating what his relationship is to you. So this, what this is, I threw this in when it talks about the still small voice. I just threw this in as different ways in which, like I say, other ways in which God spoke a lot of times in the Old Testament. He spoke through a whirlwind to proclaim his presence by an earthquake, to speak in a thunder-like voice, lightning and thunder proceeding from the throne room of heaven. But a lot of times the way in which he also spoke, and the reason why I put this up is because the ways in which he spoke in the Old Testament, it came more, I want to say, like a rigorous. And that's why it came through thunder and it came through lightning and it came through an earthquake. But when that dispensation changed to grace, he spoke, like I say, it changed, as you said, seen in that scripture. It says when he was talking to Jeremiah, it says he wasn't in the mountain, he wasn't in the rocks, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the wind, he was through the small, still voice. And it's one of those things like um, discernment and revelation. He was revealing it, actually the two dispensations. He was actually revealing the, the, how grace would come in, that he would speak in a different way, that he would reveal himself in a different way to his children. So that's why I put that example up there. Amen. Amen. So let us close out. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that as we go forth, Lord God, today, and as, Lord God, we continue, Father, to pray, Father, and to seek your face, Lord God, we thank you for the many ways, Father, in which you speak, Lord God. Father, fine-tune our ears, Lord God. Ex help us to exercise our spiritual senses, Father, that they may be activated, Lord God, and grow, Lord God, into maturity, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you will illuminate yourself, Father, in several different ways, Father. Let us not, Father, miss the, your move, Father, in which you speak, Father, and Father, not only, Father, when you speak, Father, help us to recognize, Father, when you're speaking, how you're speaking, and how to interpret, Father, what you are saying to us. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen.